Welcome to our church. If you're back visiting and like you left us, you, you really missed out, but we're glad that you're here. And we're, we're so thankful just for you and for coming back to hang out with us and see what's going on. I see we have a ton of um, college students here. So guys, thank you for being here. We're so glad that you're here with us. Um, we're, well, I'm good, thank you. Um, we are just pumped to be celebrating uh, 10 years. Um, I don't think about uh, that a whole lot as far as like how, how long this has been and what that, that has looked like. But um, I, I, I wanted to recount for you a little bit. We're going to try to move quickly because I've got um, some uh, elders that are, that are current elders that were here in the very beginning that I wanted to bring up, and we want to talk a little bit and just reminisce uh, with them. Then I want to bring up uh, the other two elders that have been here a little bit after that, and, and, uh, and then I've got some guys from our advisory team, which were men that kind of stood in the gap while we were um, gathering uh, people for this church and helped kind of uh, engineer things and help, help me stay on track and things like that. So that's kind of the course of how this is going to go, and then we'll worship at the end. And just so you know, there's going to be some, some change-ups here. But I wanted to just kind of tell you just where my heart was um, a little over 10 years ago, as I just had a, a passion for something that I didn't see happening in Salem. I, I had a passion for what I, I, I believe that needed to be here. As I grew up in the church, uh, you know, my, my dad was a pastor, and I grew up in the church, and I felt, um, you know, connected to it in some ways, but in other ways, I felt like lots of uh, young adults in the church, and that is, like, this is my parents' faith in a lot of ways, and it's, it's connected to them, and I, and I couldn't really figure out how to extend myself into that and how to really love God in, in a, a real and profound way. I also really struggled with my own morality and just the fact that, like, I know that I'm supposed to be good, but I can't be good, and I just, I couldn't quite figure that out. Like, the gospel had not gotten to my heart yet. And so what, when I looked around and I finally got plugged into a church and I was there and I was serving, and the thing that I felt the most is that I just, I just want them to see, I want them to feel what I feel, and I want them to know this God that I know and I want them to, to, to engage with him and enjoy him in the way that I enjoy him. And so I just, I had this passion. But I just got to tell you just uh, how much I lacked as a person. I had poor hygiene. I didn't wear deodorant much. And, and I, was, I was not a very nice person all the time. And I, I, was, I wasn't a very friendly person. You might still think that. But I just looked at myself and I just said, I, I don't think it's me but I'm just going to be faithful with what God has put in front of me. And so I just began to do that. And I began to dream about what God could do in our city. And I just felt like if I could be behind the scenes and I could help kind of make something happen, I'd be happy with that. Because I saw a generation of people that were walking away from the church. I saw people uninvolved in the life of the church. I saw people getting into bad theology because they looked at their parents' church, and they said, well, they, they did this, and so therefore everything they said uh, should be thrown out the window, and so therefore I'm going to believe this guy who's writing heretical books and uh, calls himself a pastor, and he's not. Um, I, I saw all of this stuff taking place, and I, I had this sense of I want to see not only these, the, this generation who's currently in church continue in God, but I also saw the rest of our city, and I said, I think there's more. I think that God has more for us. I think that God has more for Salem. And so I began thinking and dreaming about this. God uh, kind of placed a job in my lap at another local church, and he gave me an opportunity to, to lead there. And, and I uh, started a college ministry at this church, or, or at least continued one that was uh, kind of fledgling. And so I started this college ministry. And there were uh, some key people that are here today that were a part of that, like Gray and Tara. Both of them were on stage uh, this morning uh, singing. Gray was playing electric guitar right there. His wife was singing. Um, there's Josh, uh, Josh Hawes. Was, um, was with us. He was a uh, sound guy, 18 years old, came up to me and said, hey, I'll help run sound for this because I was, you know, leading worship and going back to the soundboard and turning things up and down while I was doing this for the four people that we were leading at the time. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. I mean, it was small. But, man, there's been people that have been so faithful uh, here with us. Um, 
Jared Guzman, who's been with us the, the whole time. His brother was with us for some time, and then he came on board just as, uh, as a young adult. And so we have people that have been with us for, for many years. But God put a passion in my heart as I began to dig into the Word more than I ever had before. I remember one day I was sitting um, at home, and I looked up on the shelf, and I had my, uh, some books from my dad. And I remember I, I had seen these books. I didn't put them there. I think my mom had put them there. And I was, I was looking up at them, and I saw these books, and it kept catching my eye. Because I, I had never preached before. I didn't know what preaching was going to be like for me. And so I, uh, I was looking at these books, and I saw this one book that said, God's Ultimate Purpose. And I was like, man, that, I, I, I got to read that. And it happened to be Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's uh, uh, an old uh, preacher. He's, uh, he's passed now, but he's from England. And I started reading this kind of archaic, uh, these archaic sermons on Ephesians. And really, uh, the entire book of Ephesians is a series of, of books. And I looked through those just this morning and just was looking at some of my highlights and just going, this is what stirred a passion in me for what God could do here. And... I, I just haven't thought about it much because I, I don't know why. I don't think I celebrate well. I think my wife would say that. Um, but um, I, I just, I haven't thought about it a ton. But the thing that just speaks to me is, is really out of Ephesians chapter 4 um, where it says, it says this. I've got to start at the beginning. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. He's sitting in prison. Urge you to walk in a manner worthy, worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness and patience. Bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the, body of, and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then Paul says this, he says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of cap captives. And gave gifts to men. And what's it saying there? He's saying like when Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit came and he gave gifts to men. And so what Paul is saying to us is he's saying, I know that there is gifting in your church. I know that there are people in your church that have the ability to serve God. It's not just the paid dudes who are up front a lot. It's not just the people that are on staff, but it's these people right here. Like, this is the church. We know that God gave us gifts. And what I saw was so many people were walking from the church because they were uninvolved, they weren't engaged, they, they, they didn't know how to be a part of this, they were just told to go to these various meetings and things like that, but they weren't plugged in, they weren't doing the work of ministry. But this says that all of us have a calling on our lives to be a part of the church and to exert the gifting that God has given us. And so he goes on and he says, In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he's talking about Jesus here. And it says here in verse 11, And he, that is Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up, for building up the body of Christ. And that right there spoke to me as I read it. And I read these sermons from Martin Lloyd-Jones. What did it say to me? It said this. It said that he gave these, these gifts. He gave these specific offices, evangelists, uh, prophets, shepherds, teachers, for this purpose, to raise people up, to raise people up and to say, it's not just me that's here to do the work of ministry, but the central message of Christ is this, is that when you come to me and I give you life uh, through the power of the Spirit, through the cross and my resurrection, when you come to me, what takes place in your life is this, is, is that you get trained for the work of ministry and that builds unity. And so I saw a generation of people I saw a generation of people that were disengaged from the church. And my theory was this. It's because this passage isn't being played out in their lives. And so my effort from the very beginning has been this. I want to engage this generation 
with the power that is found in Christ. I want to engage this generation with this right here and right now. This is for you, and it is for me. And look at what it says as he goes on. He says, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Like what's happening out of this is that experience comes out of obedience. Like the experience, the fullness of Christ. Like I want to be closer to God. I want to experience it. God, if you're real, I just want to see you. Like just show me who you are. The experience of Christ, experiencing that, comes out of the obedience and following him. It comes out of the obedience and walking with him. It comes out of the obedience and being a part of his church. And so we've made no bones about it. Like, if you want to experience God, receive Jesus Christ through the gospel. If you want to experience God, receive Jesus Christ and then engage in obedience. Obedience doesn't save you. It shows your salvation. And so he goes on, so that we may no longer be children What are we talking about? We're talking about this generation. We need to grow up into maturity. We'll no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. What was I saying here? I saw people being misled by heretical authors and preachers. And we needed to speak boldly against that and to say, no, that's a bunch of garbage. That is not what the scriptures say. We need to say this clearly. So that doctrine gets into our lives by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And that's been what we've been about. It's been about speaking the truth in love. And we've gotten more loving as we've spoken truth. (laughs) My mom is laughing. I can hear her the most right now, but... Speaking truth in love has been hard to do. It's been hard to figure out how to do that in love. But I believe that we're, we're growing in that area. And we still have areas we can grow. And he says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working, properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is what we've been about, this passion to see people built up in the gospel, to see people engaged um, in the life of the church, not just be uh, bench warmers, not, not just be people who are, yeah, I used to do that church thing. No, this is for you. This is for you. It doesn't matter what age you are. This is for you. You have a role. You have a responsibility. You have something to do within the context of the church, not just on Sunday morning, but as a group of people in our city. We are here to be revealers of the kingdom of God. And that, that is our role. That is our responsibility. We get to show people how they enter into to experience God's kingdom, which is the thing that they've always wanted, but they never get. They've always wanted it through politics. They've always wanted it through money, sex, and power. They've always wanted it through all kinds of things. We get to show it to them and say, this is the life that is in Christ. When I enter into God's kingdom, I get to live in perfect unity with God through Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. I want to invite up uh, Matt, Tim, and, and Brian here, our uh, elders that have been here for quite some time. Would you guys come forward? Would you guys uh, welcome them, I guess? Yes. So what, what we have here, I, 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 wanted, I wanted these guys. These guys have been here since Matt, uh, almost the very beginning. Brian, almost the very beginning. Uh, Tim, the very beginning. Um, and uh, just wanted you guys to kind of briefly just kind of share like where you were, what that process has, has looked like in, in uh, your engagement. Matt, why don't we start with you? I wanted to start. You're going to start? Can I start? Okay. I got some things to okay. say. Yeah, all right. If that's all right, Matt and I are brothers, uh, and the vision, it was awesome. I actually would like to hear you continue to preach about that vision. I was, I was getting into that. Uh, but I wanted to say real quickly, give some perspective on this. I think, Matt, you hate it when I, when I say how the church started. Uh, but I usually say uh, this church started with, uh, with no experience, at least planning churches. We started with no money. We planted a church... Uh, in the most expensive building in town for the brokest people, the poorest people in town, college kids, 
and we did it all in the middle of the summer when they were gone. So we this really is amazing. That. I, I, this, I don't know. What's that? We really should have thought through that. <laughs> I, I don't know. Dude, I don't say that to put, to put Matt down or put anybody down on that, but this was one of the coolest things, one of the bravest things I've ever seen anybody do. I'm, I'm not just saying that, man. It was so awesome to see how, uh, to see how this church started uh, and just to see that it's come so far uh, and done so well, man. It is a, a total blessing, and it's all, it's all Jesus. So I just cool. want to say that. Okay, Maybe yes. your turn. Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, a little bit about how I started coming to Outward. Um, it was, I was fresh out of college, went to Oregon State, um, and I had prayed the prayer when I was five, but, and I thought I was good, so I didn't need to go to church anymore, so I didn't go to, I mean, that, that's, that's where I was at, and so I didn't go to church anymore. Um, I w- just got out of a relationship and didn't get the job I wanted to get, so I was broke, living at home, you know, typical college, after-college student these days, um, doing that thing and going to bars like every night, and I just got tired of it. Um, I just, I, I thought there had to be something more um, to this, and, and I wasn't, you know, I was going to bars to meet girls, let's be honest, and I wasn't meeting any that I thought were all that great, and so I was Shocking. like, where else could I meet girls? And so I went to the obvious next place, which is Craigslist. Um, so That's true. You thought I was going to say church, didn't you? <laughs> no, I didn't. I went to Craigslist. That's how low it got, guys. I, I'll just be honest with you. I put an ad on Craigslist, and my wife remembers it well because it said, um, I'll give you away the end of the story here, but um, it said, it's a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, but it's okay if you're not, literally. That's, that's what it said in the ad, so it was like looking for someone. Um, and, she, and my wife got on there, and she was looking for love. She found me. Um, she actually typed in Christian. It was the only ad that came up, so... <laughs> But you have to Imagine say what she that. was actually looking for. She was looking for a kayak. A kayak. That's and a true like, story also. Her and friends would get onto the personal ads and make fun of like the poor people that were on there. <laughs> and so she got on to make you the know, poor desperate friends people. To, to make yeah, to make fun of the desperate people and found me. So uh, uh, there's a lot more to that story, we won't go into it. But um, eventually we started emailing back and forth. <laughs> and um, I don't know how it happened, but we both like decided that we were going to meet and we had both somehow had connections to people that went to Outward. I'd ran into a buddy of mine from high school that went to Outward and invited me and she had friends that were, were and I think she had been before. And so our first date was at Outward Church. Um, it was literally the first place we went. I obviously was going to get her um, and I'm not exactly sure. I think she was kind of just wanted to meet a place where if like I was a Craigslist killer, maybe... <laughs> There'd be some good Christian people that would find her. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's that's where I was at, and I mean, I remember specifically hearing Matt preach. I always tell the story, but the first, I think, the first sermon I heard him preach, he just he did what he does now. He started bawling like a baby, <laughs> and I thought it was so fascinating because it was it was about a call, a, a um, like a customer care call for Microsoft. He was on the phone with like a guy in Microsoft. He started bawling because he just thought about the, how bad this guy needed Jesus. And I was like, that is so different than what I've seen. Like this guy cares about the guy on the phone. And I, I, something about that just made me want to come back. And eventually, I wanted to come back regardless of whether Annika came. Um, but it was great that she did. And <laughs> I should probably say that better. <laughs> Hopefully she's out feeding the twins right now or something. <laughs> um, so anyways, I just remember Matt. I, I was just one guy out of like, there was tons of college students when I was going. It, was, it somehow more came. I'm not sure how that happened. But there was like two, 300 kids in this theater. And somehow Matt just like came up to me and was like, come over to my house for dinner. And that was, I think, life-changing for me. I'd, I'd never been in a church where like the pastor invited me over to his house for dinner not that that shouldn't be that big of a deal, but just for me, I just at the time, I think I was struggling with my identity, didn't really think I was important or had a purpose or anything like that. I was just kind of sitting on the benches. And Matt and Chris just had me over for dinner, and they just like, they just, I think Matt said something like, God has something for you, Matt. Like, he said it back then. And, you know, it, I, I, that stayed with me. You know, and I was still a stupid kid and did stupid stuff along the way. Matt could probably tell you, he had me in his office multiple times going, what are you doing? 
Um, so it wasn't like it, that just changed like that. But I, uh, I think he, he stuck through. Even when I moved down to Eugene, he saw something come up on my Facebook, um, which wasn't intentional, but he just called me. I wasn't even going to outward. I like, lived in Eugene and was kind of going to a different church at the time. And he called me. He was like, hey, dude, I just saw this come on your Facebook. I just wanted to ask, what's that about? And I was like, he just pr- like, continued to care about me. Um, and eventually, you know, uh, we came back. I want to tell, do I have time to tell the, the story of how I got involved here? The bulletin story? Not yet. Hold okay. it. Okay. Hold it. Okay. Yeah. That's, I'll, I'll stop there. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll come back to that. Yeah. Already? Okay. I, uh, I also met my wife at Outward. So, it's a theme. Dude, me too. It, That's it, funny. It totally works. It totally works. I mean, you know. It works. A little plug for the outward dating service. You guys listening to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reason enough to come back. These are all the, a lot of college students over here, so. Uh, no, you know, I, um, I was, at the time that I came to Outward, I was going through just the, the roughest time in my life. I was in the, uh, right in the midst of a divorce. Uh, everything that I thought I had figured out in life was just falling apart. Uh, and, and I was a wreck. I was a mess. And um, basically, a, a friend of mine, a, a friend of mine who was um, coming to Outward there in, in the beginning invited me uh, and said, hey, you should, you should come check this thing out. And so I... Uh, you know, I, I came in on a, on a Sunday. I, I mean, I remember that first day really, really well. Uh, I, I mean, I was just going through all this turmoil and everything. And I come in, and the, I mean, the, the first thing that, that just struck me was the worship. Uh, and I'm, I'm so happy that that has continued here, that the worship was passionate. And, and I had been going to, to another church uh, in town, a great church and everything, but um, I walked in, and there was just something different here at Outward. There's this, like, this generation of people that are just crying out in, in what I can only describe as just real, genuine worship. Um, and it was, it was pretty phenomenal. And, you know, I just remember that the lights were dark, like it typically is in here, which is great, because I didn't want anyone to see me. Uh, worshiping, and the music was loud, which was also great because no one wants to hear me sing. Uh, and, and it just like, this was, you know, just, it, I, it, it just really impressed on me, like, man, something's going on here. Uh, I feel like, like Jesus is moving in this place. These, these people, you know, want to follow Jesus and, and care. So anyway, then uh, the, the preaching uh, w- was so different than what I had heard. I mean, Matt unapologetically goes to the scriptures and lets the scriptures speak for themselves, and that was that was really kind of shocking to me, uh, you know. And, and he doesn't avoid the the hard passages or anything like that. And and as I'm wrestling through my faith and and what's left of it at that point in time, as I'm going through this this incredible pain in in life, uh, like I just needed to hear, you know, the raw, unfiltered. Word of God preached to me, and it was, uh, it, it was incredible to get that, and so I, I continued coming back and coming back, and, um, you know, outward, I, I think what, what I thought was a relationship with Jesus, what I thought was, was my religion was bogus before I, I came here, I, and I realized in my time here that, man, I was just playing church before. I was, I, I was going to church every Sunday, but there was nothing real there. It was, it was just a, a moral duty. It, it was something that made me feel like a better person, uh, but there was no real relationship with Jesus. And then, you know, through, the, uh, through my involvement in Outward, and it was not just the preaching and not just the worship, but, uh, you know, from the first day, somebody grabbed me and pulled me into a community group. Uh, you know, and then there's, there's these guys investing in me, and I, I remember somebody early on asked me, uh, like, what I'd been reading recently. I was like, what do you mean, <laughs> reading what? Like, the Bible? What in the Bible have you been reading? Like, are we supposed to do that? <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, I'm not sure where it is. Uh, and I actually went to the store and bought a Bible because I hadn't seen mine in so long. Um, 
And it was just cool. It was, it was you know, people investing in me like that uh, and kind of challenging me and, and, you know, completely, you know, began the process of, of changing my life. And now I'm honored to be a part of the, the leadership team and, uh, you know, and, and be here supporting Matt and Chris as they just pour their life out in this ministry. It's uh, really, really cool. Awesome. Awesome. And Tim? Yeah, I'll just, yeah. since I already spoke. Yeah. I already took up my time. Yeah, you really did. S- super similar stories to these guys. I remember hearing the pitch for the church at our mom's house, and Matt was talking about, you know, creating a church, starting a church for, for his buddies, where his buddies could come and feel comfortable and hear the gospel and hear about Jesus. Uh, and I remember thinking, oh, man, yeah, your buddies need that. Your, bu- <laughs> your buddies are jacked up, dude. <laughs> And uh, I think I was, he didn't say it right then, uh, but it, it was me, man. Matt, Matt planted the church for people just like me. I was on the fringe. I, I was playing church. I thought I knew something, and I had no idea. Uh, it was funny, though. I just, I wanted to be a part of it because I wanted to support my brother and help him out because I, I already told you how crazy of an idea this was. Um, but I ended up being supported um, through the church, through the preaching, through the incredible worship uh, that we have. And I also had some sit-downs with Matt and Chris <laughs> about some jacked-up things that I were doing, that I was doing uh, in my life. So that's yeah. my experience. Yeah. you have anything to add to that, babe? No. Okay. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Well. Um, yeah, so we, we, we started in August of 2007, um, with uh, Paul Diaz. Paul Diaz came along. He was a local youth pastor in town. Him and I were buddies. We went for about a year as a, a dual leadership team, and <laughs> that was like tug of war. Uh, but we're we're still we're still really good friends. I uh, just talked to them for quite some time on the phone the other day, and, and need to again. But um, we uh, we had kind of a rocky start, right? And uh, there was some stuff that. It just was crazy in the early days. What are some of the things that you guys remember uh, early on there uh, that took place that was, that was just uh, kind of crazy and kind of um, wacky at, at our church? Dude, are you, you, you want us to tell the crazy stories? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I just didn't know it could be so contentious, uh, you know, in the church. I mean, just the back and forth, the, the tough stuff that had to be navigated, the um, the uh, executive elders that came in and just helped get the church through that time um, was huge. I mean, that was that was um, such a big deal, and I got a front row seat. Obviously, being in the same family, got to hear got to hear the the inside scoop on that, and um, it's just amazing to see us so far so far from that, and to yeah. see how that God used that to help the church. Yeah, since that time, it's it's been very cool to see God kind of preserve uh, what, what's been happening here. So, Matt, you were, you were talking about, like, the, the, the bulletin debacle. So. Okay, I got to tell a story again. Real quick. Okay, Real you quick. can cut me off. Um, so I, I think this was after I, I moved back to Salem uh, and I started getting back plugged into Outward, and I remember, Brian, you, like, called me or texted me or something, and you're like, dude, I got I to talk, talk to you about something that's really important. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, you want to go to lunch? And I was like, sure. And, he's, and so I was like, where are we going to go to lunch? And he was like, word of mouth. And I was like, oh, man, that's like really romantic. So I got my best suit on. It wasn't that I was in sales at the time I had to wear a suit. I put on the suit for you, Brian. Um, you, you didn't know I was going to tell you this story today, so this is funny. Um, so we, we go to word of mouth, and I'm like, man, what is he going to say? And he's like, Matt, I, I got this really important job for you. And I'm like, oh, cool, man, this is awesome. I'm so excited to hear what this is. And he goes, I want you to lead our media team. I was like, whoa, that's amazing. Like, what does that entail? He's like, well, we don't have one. <laughs> it's like, oh, so, so there's nobody on the team. Nope, just you. All right, well, well what, are we, what are we doing? And he's like, well, you do the bulletin. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so it's more of just that you want me to do the bulletin then. <laughs> And I can just see Brian, like, scheming and plotting this out, like, how he's going to get rid of the worst job at Outward Church, because it was. I, I don't know um, if you guys have... Uh, did we pull the bulletin up at, at all? Did we, did we have a copy of that somewhere? I don't know that we... Have, 
we do have a copy somewhere. It, it was the word, I think Matt, you said earlier that you heard a comedian talk about like ha someone handing you something like a flyer on the street and it's like, here, you throw this away. <laughs> That's what the bulletin was. Like maybe two people read it. Um, and, and so we tried to make it more interesting. Um, we put up a, a blog called The Inside Outward. Huh? I thought it was the outward uh, insider. Uh. The outward insider. No, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> um, I think inside outward was the blog in the outward. I inside outward was the blog inside of the greater bulletin, which was inside or the outward insider. <laughs> hey, listen, that's still clever, okay? <laughs> yeah. So that started like my. I don't know what you want to call it, but um, you know, I was I was happy to get plugged in, and I hated doing that for three years. <laughs> I'm just going to point that out. We kept that. It wasn't like Brian's like, "This is awful. Nobody looks at it. What should we do with it?" It's not like get rid of it. It's like let's give it to Matt Baldwin. He's got a marketing degree, so nobody proofread it. Nobody proofread the bulletin, so there's just spelling we errors. Copy the other day on one page, there was at least three like major misspellings, like. You are so bad at that. I'm so glad we got rid of this. <laughs> so to give you an example of how things were at the time and how crazy it got, Sam, could you put up that, that picture of, of my genius being the media team guy? Yeah. <laughs> this was my recruiting process, guys. You if you don't think you can get plugged right? in at Outward, we, have, we had pretty low criteria at this time. <laughs> so we put this up to say how thankful we were for Ryan, who will come up later. So yeah. that's, that's that. The cat in the yeah. corner, like... What, what was the cat about? <laughs> we actually put that in front of the church. Like, that was, like, that was a part of... That was our strategy, right? Oh, yeah. There, there's so many dumb stories like that that, like, it's really hard to believe that people still came. Like, it's... it's, it's with guys like these, so... Um, thanks for sharing that, Matt. I want to invite uh, the other two guys up here and... Uh, real quick and um, just talk with them. And so if I didn't introduce these guys well enough, um, this is Matt Baldwin. He's one of our... That's how they do it in Australia, huh? All right. All right. <laughs> Smooth roadie work there. Uh. <laughs> I bet no one even saw him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sleek. Um, okay, so Matt Baldwin, he's been here from the beginning. Brian Bradley uh, from the beginning. Me and my wife, obviously. Tim Porter, my brother. This is Jeff Schneider. You've been here for how long, Jeff? Do you, um, yeah. Seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Seven years. And then uh, Ryan Habig. But Jeff, why don't you go first? Just tell us briefly, like, uh, what drew you here? Why, wh why are you here still? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well... I, I, all I can say is, is I'm just so thankful for what God is doing in this church. And uh, I can remember the first time Chris and I come here, and there was probably maybe 50 people here. And uh, we walked in, and our daughter actually found this church for us. And walked in, and it was just all young kids. And I looked at Crystal, and I said, there is no old people here. <laughs> I says, we aren't coming back. <laughs> and... Uh, before we left, I remember she pointed, Crystal pointed out one person, and it was Rob Mosier was, was here. And he's going, she goes, there's an old person. And I'm talking, ah, oh, shoot. He was so. affectionately titled the token old guy yeah. for a long time. Exactly. I don't know how he put up with exactly. that. Exactly. So, so we decided to come back. And uh, I remember hearing Matt preach. And, and I, can, I can just remember how passionate he was about the younger generation and the, and the kids growing up in the world today. So... You know, we're just so thankful to that God had brought us into this church. And, and I can remember um, when Matt had later, a few years down the road, Matt had uh, invited me and a couple other guys to join in in morning prayer group with the executive elders. And uh, I can remember I was just so honored and thinking, why is he inviting me in there? You know, <laughs> but they were talking about the construction project about in the back because it all used to be a warehouse back here. And uh, I can remember we, we, would, we would be praying over it, and Matt would cry. And, <laughs> and, no, I'm just kidding. What is this? What is going on <laughs> right now? <laughs> no. And, uh, but I can remember when we started that project that uh, we were hoping that we could do it cheap, and we were, you know, 
you're talking over $400,000, you know, remodel that we did for like $125,000. And uh, it was just incredible to see all the people that were coming in to help out. And, and I can remember people like, you know, uh, Jesse Rognes, he, he come late nights with us working. You know, there was like Matt Hitz come in and work late nights and Rob Mosier. I mean, there's just a ton of people that put in so much time back there. But I can remember working till three, four o'clock in the morning, you know, back there, you know, trying to get the project done for the kids because there wasn't a lot of kids when we first started coming here. It was just like a little room back here that they, the kids used to go to, and, and uh, that was our children's ministry. And today, you can see what we have. It's just so amazing. And I can remember that project, working all those, and finally getting it done that uh, then I cried when it was done because it was just <laughs> a lot. Of, it was a lot of work, but God had, God had blessed us with enough funds to finish and, uh, you know, we are just uh, so excited about where the church is going today and where God has taken it and the vision that we've all been talking about doing and, and where God has taken this church. And it's just so amazing. That's cool. That's cool. You were a big part of that. I appreciate it. And then, uh, like, there's been a big turning point in our church, and it, it was when we hired Ryan. Um, <laughs> and in, in all seriousness, I mean, just whether it has to do with graphics or worship or things like that, Hiring Ryan was one of the biggest blessings. Um, him and his wife, Michelle, have just been so incredible. I did not meet here. What's did that? Not, I did not meet my wife here. <laughs> you did not meet your wife here? Yeah, you still hired me. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, so Ryan, um, yeah, tell us a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I have kind of the unique um, role, I guess, of being the one person on staff who wasn't homegrown. I mean, I think that I'm the only one here, at least on staff, that um, was kind of an outsider brought in. And so, we kind of had a, a unique perspective, I think. I was, uh, I was a worship leader who was kind of a free agent, kind of looking for, looking for a job, looking for a church, and got in touch with Matt and started to dialogue a little bit with, with Matt, Chris, and, and uh, we just started to think, man, these, these seem like pretty cool people. So we came down and experienced worship here, met some, some of the team, and, and then uh, the, the team here, the elders, sat down with me and Michelle and grilled us for like, I think it was three solid hours. I, uh, I've never been put through the ringer like this before. But uh, we got in the car after, after all of that, after the service and meeting with the guys. And Michelle and I just looked at each other and we both just kind of had this sense of like, we're moving to Salem. And <laughs> I mean, it was, it was kind of this, this, what have we done? But mixed with this real excitement because we had seen something just really incredible that day and could really sense uh, the heart uh, that, that was here in the church, the passion for God and, you know, an interaction with the elders, just, just a real care for the gospel and, and just a real, um, a real desire to see lost people come to know Jesus and experience Him. And, and so I can say as an outsider coming in, uh, we learned real fast that this place is an amazing place and it became family really quick. I mean, like just right away. And and I remember just like w discussions we would have um, in the months after we moved here and started getting to know folks and getting involved, um, just kind of how we were marveling at um, what God had done in in kind of bringing us together and, and allowing us to be a part of what was already in progress here and what was already going on outward. And it's just continued to be uh, a great ride. So, that's that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. God has done so many things over the years. You were going to mention one thing just about how God has provided for us um, a, a minute ago. Quickly, yeah, quickly. Yeah. Okay, really, really quick. Uh, well, I was just going to say, when we first started, we were over at the Grand Theater. Like Tim had mentioned, we started over there. And then we moved here in 2009. So we, got, we rented this building. But over at the theater, we had chairs. Like there were theater seating, so there were already chairs in the building. And we remember thinking, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about chairs? Because there was no chairs in here. It was a kitchen showroom. There was, there was no chairs. And um, so we just started praying about chairs and different things like that. And so um, a friend of uh, Matt's mom who lived down in Arizona had access to a bunch of office furniture. And we had kind of heard about this and that that was maybe a possibility. But, you know, you hear these things and you're like, I don't know if that's, you know, that's going to work out. And so she called Matt and said, uh, I need you down here tomorrow if you want to the, all this stuff. And she lives in Arizona. Did I say that yet? Okay. Yeah. So they yeah. had to get in a, did you get in a U-Haul? No, a, you just drove a truck. A truck. That... 
he drove straight truck. through you and another guy got yeah. in, and then Peter Brownworth Peter yeah. and you got into a truck drove all night got there and basically she loaded up well not her but uh, that did you load it up probably but yeah. loaded up all these chairs all the chairs that are over here in the back chairs and office furniture and desks and benches and there's a lot of the things out in the lobby that are still part of that original um, original thing and so they drove the U-Haul back back yeah. up and uh, parked it out in front of the Grand Theater and this was I think it was the week we were about to move out and right after that service we just got to pull the U-Haul door open and just I mean there was there was like I mean, there was a lot of money worth of stuff that she just gave us to our church and it allowed us to get in here and have something to sit on and <laughs> things like that and so it was just an amazing amazing blessing to just see how God has continued to provide and especially in those early years where we had no idea how these things were going to work out and God just provided things like that that were actually visible and tangible and it was anyways so yeah, it just was, one it was of a cool thing. Things. God has provided along the way. She, Chris was just telling Marshall last night, our, our oldest son, about some of the stories. Cry? Are you going to cry? And I'm not going to cry. <laughs> and it's, it's just unbelievable when you go back and you think about it. You just go, man, um, you know, Chris and I were having a phone call, and there was no money to get paid. We weren't going to be able to pay our rent. I told her, I'll go to work, uh, go to a not that this isn't work, but I'll, I'll go get another job. A paying um, job. A paying job. <laughs> um, uh, if you want me to right now, but if we're going to do this, we've got to trust the Lord. And she said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Um, minutes later, a check is put underneath the door at, in my office, in the office building that we were at at that time, and it covered rent and whatever else we needed for the church. It's like God has just been so crazy like that. Like, it's just been, it's amazing to see God working. And it's not just with, like, tangible, like, money and shares and things like that. Those are a lot of the things that you remember, but it's just been with people, with God's faithfulness. And, um, you know, this, this group of guys right here is just a testament to that because there, there just was years where it's just like, I mean, I, I need people with me here that are, that are closer and who are, are, are around me. And God has just been faithful to, to raise these, these men and women. Their wives are incredible. Uh, we just got to go on a retreat together, and, and I would have loved to have had so many more people up here, um, their wives included. It just, it, um, we, time doesn't allow right now, but I wanted you guys to meet them and to experience this. There's so many things we could tell you, but um, thank you guys for coming up here, and I'll uh, wrap us up here in a second. Thanks. Um, leave two. Leave that one. You can take that one there. Yeah, you can take that one too. Take it. Leave it. <laughs> take it. Uh, so uh, I had more planned. I always do, and I never get to it. Um, God is God is working. God is working big time. Um, the The present state of our church is is growing, um, and nickels and noses is not what we really look at. We look at people who are being discipled. And the lifeblood of our church is, is our community groups. One of the things that you can look at and you can say, there's, there, there's some health going on here. And that is um, that we have a, a 11 or 12 community groups. We have more people than we have groups for. Um, and so we're, we're, we're continually pushing people into groups. That's a good uh, call. Like if you want to be more involved, you, you feel like... Um, you may be able to help lead a community group. We'd like to vet that in you and talk with you about it. You can join LEAD, which is beginning here very soon. You can find out more at Outward.info. But we have 11. We're going on 12 community groups. We have 190 adults um, out of an average of 225 attendees. Um, that was earlier this year. Uh, 190 adults. That is a massive percentage of our church. There's more people in community groups than there are here on Sunday morning uh, adults. Um, uh, throughout the week. That's, that's huge for us. Um, guys, there is, there's stuff going on in, in our church that is, that is phenomenal. Um, about two and a half years ago, we started a, a thing where we just said, we, 
we, we need to kind of redo what's going on here. We need a reboot. And so we redesigned some things. We wrote some things. And one of those things that we said is that we, we want this place to be a welcoming environment so that nothing else except the message of Jesus Christ offends people. We know that Jesus' message is offensive, but we don't want to offend them. So we want this to be a welcoming place where people who are non-believers, who have no affiliation with church, can come in and hear the gospel, hear the truth, hear deep truth, and yet desire, uh, and, and, and yet say, I feel comfortable in this place. We're seeing that happen on a regular basis. We are seeing people engage in, in worship. One of the statements we wrote down, before we even felt like this was entirely true um, recently, was our church participates in our services by singing loudly, raising hands, giving, serving. And I just don't know if you've been in our services very much recently, but God is doing something here. And it's not just because we have a boisterous group of people who are singing, but I, I think I believe and I see and I feel that God is working in amazing ways in our hearts, and I'm excited to see what God is doing in the future. There's so much more that I could talk about, but um, I'll leave that um, at that. Lastly is this, is so what now? What are, we, what are we doing? Where are we going from here? Um, well, I just want to tell you this. We're not finished. God isn't through working at Outward Church. God isn't through using young people. God isn't through using uh, people who are in the older generation as well. Um, uh, I, I like to talk about us all as part of one generation. We're all alive right now. But there's young people, there's, there's older people in this, in this group. God isn't through with us. God isn't through with using you in this church. And I believe that God's church looks like, uh, looks like this. And I believe that there's more diversity that could be added here. Racially, age-wise, things of that nature. God, God's not through with what he's doing here. But here's the problem with churches, is that churches typically have a 20-year cycle. They start off with passionate parents, and they end with lackluster kids that aren't walking with Jesus. And so what, what needs to happen here? Well, I've got a 10-year-old who was, who was uh, I believe, a one-year-old, exactly. I'm poor at math, but yes, he was a one-year-old when, uh, when we started the church. And I, I just, I need to tell you that we have to be looking forward to the next generation. This is what Psalm 78, 4 says. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your, I'm sorry, Psalm 78, verse 1 through 4. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark or hidden things from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. What, what's this saying? It's saying we're committed to not just start the process that got our church started, but we're committed to continue this. Because if we're just looking forward to the next 10 years, then we have the propensity as people to just allow this thing to end if we're not saying, not just 10 years, but 40 years. What about 40 years down the road? Where's Outward Church at? How passionate are we? How, how passionate are we about our city being transformed by the gospel? It's happened before. It can happen again. It can happen right here and right now. And do you know what matters right now is who's coming next? Who's filling our shoes? What's that mean? It means Matt Porter's not going to be the guy that's preaching all the time. Some of you are relieved by that. But here's the thing. We're, there's going to be other people who are preaching. There's going to be other people who are, are going to be leading. You're going to look at the elders and you're, you're going to say, man, that guy doesn't look like he's an elder. He looks like he's a younger, right? You're going to look around and you're going to say, man, where is this church going? You might be older and you might be saying, man, I think I could do a better job. And you probably could. But it's not about the next 10 years. It's about the next 40 years. Because God has called these people, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And that means that this generation 
has got to pass off to the next generation and to the generation after that because we have a job, we have a role, we have a responsibility to bring up the next generation. What's it say again, verse 4? We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord at Outward Church and in the city of Salem and in the world and beyond, and His might and the wonders He has done. Let us not lose that as we move forward. Let's grow deeper in passion and pass that on to our kids so that in 20 years, we're not just existing. We're not just thriving. We're not just, you know, talking about self-preservation and the fear of going away. We're talking about the announcement of the kingdom of God in our city. So are you with me on that? Yeah. How are we going to do that? Same way we always have. We're going to preach the word of God. We're just going to, we're going to preach. There's going to be different people preaching. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to be inviting you to be a part of what's going on here. Don't just sit on the bench. God's given you a gift. Don't just, don't just attend. Serve, give, grow. Lead your family well. Be an expression of God's kingdom in our city as we read and we feed on the word of God and we take that, we ingest it, and we exude that in our city. Okay, can I invite um, our advisory team guys up here real quick? Would you guys give them a hand? You don't know why, but yeah, come in. Yeah. So this is the last thing before we wrap here with a, a couple of things. And um, I, could, I could cry uh, right now. I don't know if, that, if you know that or not, but... Um, so early on in the church, we had started with some, some elders, and what ended up happening was, um, and what we found out was that there was a lot of confusion because we weren't all on the same page. And so Salem Alliance and their church planting guy came in and helped us, and another guy by the name of Kent Mack, he was going to try to be here today, he didn't make it, um, came in and helped us discern what was going to happen, and they led me and they said, listen, you need to get some outside guys to stand in the gap until you have guys that, are, that have grown up and are a part of the vision. And by the way, all of those elders, those guys that were here previously, I love them, I'm friends with them, I talk with them. Um, every time we see each other, it's, it's all healthy um, today. But I asked these guys, who they're, they're clearly uh, smarter looking than I am. Um, Larry is very good at math, I am not. Um, and, um, but um, Larry's an, an, an accountant, owns Johnson & Glaze. Uh, Mike... I, you always tell me what you do, and I always forget, but it's, there's sometimes, you consult people, and it, he, you actually also performed our wedding, Chris and I, at the Grand Theater, um, and, and whatnot, but I, I told you guys earlier, I just wanted you to kind of respond and just talk briefly just about um, what you're seeing here, what you saw uh, just over the, the years of the church, and, and just to say thank you as well to your, your uh, outside of God and, and His Spirit, you guys are why we're here, and I, I just thank you so much. So to, uh, tell us, uh, what, what have you seen? What's, what's this been like? Um, it's on there, yeah. Um, when, we first, when I was first asked to, to step on um, and be part of the advisory team or a executive elder team, we call it different things. Um, <laughs> it kind of changed as we went, but we were really standing in the gap. Um, but when I was asked to uh, come and do a little short presentation here, I... I thought of five words, you know, and the first was faith, you know, first was vision, um, and this church, and Matt talked about that, that, the, you know, this, this whole thing started with a vision from God. God laid a vision on his heart, and uh, that vision was shared with others, and it grew. Uh, faith was a huge part of that then, and faith became this big step to start a, start a church, like uh, Tim was saying, in the middle of summer, you know, no money, no didn't have a clue what they were doing and just launched out there. They stepped out in faith. Um, there was a humility in that, too. If, if it didn't start with humility, it got there quickly. Um, <laughs> and, True. Uh, <laughs> that's the way we all get it. Um, but uh, the humility came in, and they just, they were, you know, they said, we don't know what we're doing. We don't, you know, we don't get this. We don't know this, but we have this vision. And God, God really does come, you know, he comes 100% with people like that. When you know you need him and you know you're, you don't have it all together and you're, you're reaching out to God, that's where God can say, hey, I'm, I'm here. You know? And so many times we try to do it on our own and then all of a sudden we get to the point where we're crying out to God and God says, I was waiting for you to ask. 
you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready to step in the gap there. But anyway, we served there. We, so we saw these things. We saw the faith thing. We saw huge, impossible deals were moving, moving a facility, getting into a new facility. Uh, every budgetary thing was huge. Um, you add a part-time staff person, that was huge. No money for that. No concept, but they, there was a need there. It was part of the vision. It was part of the necessity. And every one of those things we prayed over, we gave, con you know, we, we gave insight into the thing. But there was never any money. There were never <laughs> any resources. It was all about faith. It was all about trusting God. Um, um, it went from there. Uh, the, 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 the last thing that we did that I think was so incredible was that when, when, first, when this first thing started out, you know, you have this vision, and then all hell breaks loose, mm -hmm. literally. You know, Ephesians chapter 6 talks about that. You know, it talks about, you know, this, these spiritual forces in high places come, and they're attacking. They're trying to destroy this vision. They're trying to kill the vision. Other spiritual forces of God are, are, are there, you know, in this battle. And we're part of the battle, but we're actually kind of on the ground. And these things are happening above us, but we're, we're part of that. They attack in every way. They attack through our homes, through our families, through our uh, self-esteem, economically. All these type of things take place to try to destroy the vision, to get us off track, to move. Um, we were called in. A big part of what we were called in to do is for accountability. And Matt was incredible with that. I mean, very humble man in, in coming in uh, with that aspect. Even his uh, thought life, he held that. He, he brought that to us and said, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with something right now. I need you guys to pray about it. Things that were pretty risky for a pastor to share. But, but that's really where, that's where Satan wins in our lives. Mm -hmm. He takes godly people that are on fire for Christ, that are trying to, trying to you know, they have all the passion, hope, and everything else, but they have something in their mind that they start playing with. They keep it secret. They're going to keep it hidden. And they're going to, you know, but, that, but God brings that to the forefront. But in this case, humility said, Guys, I need you to. I need to be held accountable for this. I need to be held accountable, even like I say, even for the, the thought life, the things that are private and secret. Those were brought to the forefront because he didn't want anything to get away, get in the, get in the way of the vision being fulfilled. You know, and that's that's incredible. And I feel like that is the, that is something going forward. You know that that you've got to do as a church. Keep humble. You know, keep the vision. Keep that what you have. I mean, it's it's obviously. You know, you're talking about outward. It's just everything is. It's about outward. It's about what you're doing outside. You know, the, the inward person to, so you can go back and, and reach out for Jesus Christ, and reach this community for Christ. But just keep on that track, because that's, that's the awesome thing. The things you're doing have been incredible. You've got an incredible journey. Never stop living by faith. Never stop, you know, bumping up against humility um, and, and reaching out to God. Never stop that accountability. That accountability mm -hmm. is huge. That's good. That's good. Awesome. I think it's important to maybe go all the way back to the beginning because I've always really appreciated Matt's uh, initiative. I mean, I barely knew Matt, and my phone rang one time a long time ago, and he said, hey, he said, would you be interested in meeting with me and a couple of other guys on a weekly basis just for some accountability? And I'm like, at the time, I'd been praying, God, I just I want to pour my life into men. And uh, at the time, I didn't have a lot of men that I was working with. And so when I got that phone call, it was just like, I guess, Lord, this is what you have for me. And so I said yes, and it just became a really, really rich time week in, week out to meet with guys just to check in on how we're doing spiritually. Uh, Matt's initiative. And then he said, then when we got to know him and we were doing their, uh, my wife and I were helping with uh, premarital counseling with he and Chris. And and they were supposed to get married by somebody else. And I don't know, it seemed like a month before the wedding. It was probably longer than that. He came to me and he said, the other guy can't do it. Would you marry us? And I'm not a pastor, keep in mind. And so my greatest fear was to like marry them and then they would live in sin the rest of their life because <laughs> they wouldn't really be married. So I actually went down to the county and I checked into certain things. And I had been licensed, you know, by our church to, to do that. And so I just, you know... I ended up performing the ceremony, not having ever done that before, um, and that was, you know, a, really an honoring thing to be to be able to do that. And again, Matt's Matt's initiative, and then to come alongside them when they they wanted to start the church, and and then he called me up and he said, "Would you be willing to be on, be willing to be on this executive advisory board committee <laughs> thing?" and 
I'm like, I have no idea why he keeps asking me to do this. Um, but again, it's, it was his initiative because he had a lot of passion, but he knew he'd need some help. And so the thing that was so, so energizing about the kind of the early years that we were involved, and it's the same thing personally when we involve ourselves in new things in the Lord, is there's just this tremendous, you've heard all the stories, but there's this tremendous dependence on God. I mean, there, there's no roadmap, there's no guidebook. Uh, every week it was something different, something new, something hard, and you were totally dependent on God. If God doesn't show up and do something, then it's not going to happen. And to be kind of part of that and to, to wrangle through that with all the, different, all the different stories you've heard today was really rich and invigorating and exciting. And it's that way in our own spiritual lives too. When we're young in the Lord or when we're, when we're embarking on something new in the Lord, our dependence is right up here, and our independence is down there. But what happens over time, and this is where I want to maybe put the challenge out to the church looking forward, is over time, especially when things are good and, and things kind of get dialed in, and you got a great worship team, and you got great leadership team, and uh, you've got at least adequate resources to, to pay the bills, is sometimes that, that dependence starts to wane and independence starts to grow. It's just, it's a natural thing as, as believers, as individuals, or even as an organization that we can, we can lose that dependence on God. And I guess my challenge to, to Matt and to the leadership team and to each one of you as individuals is, boy, press in hard to the Lord on, on, every, on every issue, every decision, every step, every breath. There's got to be uh, an ongoing dependence. And if you do that evaluation as a church, if you do that evaluation as an individual, ask yourself, ha have I let my dependence slip and am I becoming more independent because I've got this? It's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous... Uh, I, I think this church, it's, it's amazing at what God has done. We haven't been here for a while, and I really appreciate the invites, but just even sitting here this morning, I just... I kind of marvel at what God has done, but there is that danger. There's that danger that unless, unless you continue to press hard in to the Lord and really depend on Him for everything, you're not going to be able to accomplish all that the Lord has in store for this church, for you as an individual. And I guess that's, that's my challenge looking forward. And maybe just one verse came to mind, even as we were worshiping this morning, is uh, I remember one night I, I, I read, the, read the entire book of Colossians, and I was just saying, Lord, I really need a word from you. And I was reading through the entire book, and it's just like, okay, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in there, but I'm kind of slow on the uptake sometimes, and got to the second to the last verse in the book of Colossians. And Paul says, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, King James. Uh, take, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. And so, Matt, I'd tell you this morning, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. And to each one of you as individuals, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. And you guys will continue week in, week out to be amazed at what the Lord does. Thank you. Can I just add just amen to that? The verse that came to mind is... is like that, but it's, you know, be strong in the, in the Lord and in His mighty power. Amen. You know, our strength is in the Lord and in His power. And when we start, you know, we get this point, when the church started out, it had no choice but to live by faith. Mm. There wasn't anything else. Yeah. You know, they had to pray for everything. They had to pray Amen. for every Sunday. They had to pray for people to show up. They had to pray for, you know, the, um, specifically for the amount of money that needed to come in that month to cover the bills that were there that month. And uh, or sometimes that week it was broken down by week by offerings, and and it was it was necessary to pray for each one of those things. You're at a point now that you could slip on that, and you could start trusting in your your organization or your structure or this or that. That's a mistake. You know your your need is greater now than it was in the beginning, and uh, to continue to live by faith, continue to trust. And like Matt was saying, God has God has provided. For the needs of this church are each one of the people that are here. Mm -hmm. And through your gifts, um, 
your talents, your energy, your time, all those things are required for this, this work to go. Mm -hmm. None of us have enough to do much mm -hmm. individually. It's only yeah. as we come together. Yeah, and it, it's, we used to say, and we should still uh, talk about this more frequently, but that if, if God doesn't move, we fail. And uh, that needs to be in front of us. So thank you guys for sharing that big time. So would you pray over us? We'll uh, show a quick video and then have uh, a little bit more worship. And then we've got brisket and barbecue chicken out there, but don't think about that. We've got to worship here. The brisket's been cooking all night. Don't think about that. The chicken is... It's, it's amazing. And so it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Would you pray for us, guys? Father God, um, thank you so much for the, just to be part of this, to be part of what's taken place here, a planning of your church. And Father, we, uh, we thank you so much for using the church to, to reach this, this world, this community, this generation for Jesus Christ, to, um, to carry out the gospel, to reach out to this world the gospel, the love of Christ, to nurture people, to grow them up, to um, comfort them, to care for them, all the things that you want us to do. We thank you for this opportunity to be part of this, Lord, and part of this church. We thank you for the, the 10 years you've given them and the vision for the next 20 that goes to the next 20 that goes to the next 20 that goes to the next 20. To be a multi-generational church that is always contemporary, reaching people for Christ and where they're at. Father, we pray that you continue to bless that and continue to bless this church. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name. Yes, Father, thank you so much for what you've done. We celebrate all that you've done. We acknowledge that you are the source of all good things that have happened here. Uh, without you, none of this would have happened. And we just acknowledge that and praise your wonderful name. And Father, we ask um, in the strong name of Jesus that in the days and weeks and months and years to come, you'd keep You'd keep us as individuals, uh, as community groups, as uh, lay shepherds, as pastors, teachers, worship leaders. Father, you'd keep us humbly dependent on you for everything. Father, don't, don't let our passion for you wane, slip. God, help us not to rely on our own strength, our own abilities, but help, help us to see in a fresh way, even today, that, that everything that is done for the sake of Christ is, is empowered, is enabled by you. And Father, uh, help us to just uh, press in hard, to stay close, to not drift, to be totally 100% dependent on you for everything, everything, Father. And we ask these things in the strong name of our Lord. Amen.